are you just so magnetic that your tech can't function around you? I guess so. <laughs> I, that, I, that, I mean, that is a thing. Interesting. That magnetic though lately anyway. Thought maybe I was just so off the last few months and it just like threw everything off. I thought it was hilarious that you sent me the Venus retrograde thing and it said that Aquariuses are like podcast. And then when I was talking to you, I was just like in my brain, it was just like, why don't you do a podcast right now? And then as I was thinking about it, I was like, why do I want to do that right now? Like, why is that the thing that I want to do right now? Yeah. Even I was just like, really? She wants to podcast right now. All right. I mean, <laughs> no reason not to. <laughs> No, we're both not doing anything and apparently that's what I'm supposed to do right now yeah you're being told by the universe in many ways to just still. to sit still and podcast yeah to share with the world the wisdom that I have learned by sitting on my couch <laughs> that's how all great gurus are formed <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's true though. It's through meditation. I have meditated so much. (laughs) Like there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of reading and getting ice and reading. I'll just meditate here for a while. I don't even know what I'm meditating on anymore. Well, you can't go into meditation with anyone cool anyway. No, I realize that, but I don't even know. Like, sometimes I don't even know where I am. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and I'm not on any painkillers because I'm not about, as you know, I'm not about the painkillers. Um, I've been drinking a lot of anti-inflammatory tea, but I'm sitting on my couch perfectly sober, not really knowing where I am. I spend a lot of time in the mountains. Hmm. Hmm. When I meditate, I go to like completely different realities. It's, I mean, it's interesting. I really notice the trend now, though, when I'm in any sort of meditative state to like the dreams that I have, like they're the same. Maybe I'm just falling asleep, but uh, yeah, no, I like even just in yoga just now, I like kept having this. Ooh, actually, I was going to tell you this. I had this like, I realized I've had this vision a couple of times in a meditation where I'm like looking from looking at my one day condo from like the living area up onto what mm-hmm. the bed is as you go up onto the, like into the dining room area. And like my two cats are sitting there just hanging out. And I've had that a few times at the end of yoga class. I like drift off to wherever and then there'll be like that picture. And then like, I normally don't recognize it, but I recognize it today. And I was just like, Oh, Hey, that's why I know that place. <laughs> I've been in that condo. It's my condo. <laughs> Soon to be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That means that there's a reality where you have that condo. Exactly. Exactly. And potentially it'll be one of this reality at some point. Do you get any crazy realizations when you meditate? Yeah, all the time. Mostly crazy realizations when I meditate um hmm now that you say that and then ask me to bring one of them up all gone what's that it's all gone yeah it's just yeah exactly um but usually it's stuff that I've been avoiding like if, if there's something that I've just been like avoiding a conversation or avoiding something that I know about myself. Um, It just comes to light. And then I'm just like, oh, that was so obvious. (laughs) Why did reality get in the way of me seeing that? Or what was I reading the other day? Um, How we end up being so much in our lives that we can't even see the reality of it. So like, yeah. And which makes perfect sense. So like 
I mean, the easiest sex or, uh, example would be how many good looking girls do you know who are like, oh, I'm ugly. Yeah. And you're like, are you retarded? Like you're drop dead gorgeous, but they like, because that's the reality that they're in. They don't see that reality. Yeah. Um, and what's that? Perception is reality. Perception is reality. Yeah. Or people's talents. Like it's when, when you have a talent, especially one that you didn't really work hard at that you're like a natural at when people compliment. It's always like, Oh no, it's no big thing. But then anytime you say, Oh no, it's no big thing. You're, um, you're taking away the value of something that you're good at. And then you're probably making that other person feeling like junk because they're like, Oh no, that's, I thought that was a really big thing. Like you're really good at that. And I work and work and work and work at it. And I can't, I'm nowhere near that. Mm -hmm. So it's almost better for everyone. If you just, it is better for everyone. If you just take a compliment and own it, where is my head at right now? (laughs) That's like the whole concept of living with like living in gratitude or living with gratitude where, I mean, so many people can't, like you're just saying, can't take a compliment or accept praise or whatever, because they don't want to seem like they are conceited or egotistical or whatever, but in reality or in a reality, um, in a much nicer reality to live in it's I mean there's nothing it's living in that gratitude where somebody's offering you a compliment or um, something positive or a positive statement towards yourself it's it's better for everybody if you're accepting of it versus pushing it away and know how to accept that compliment yeah like have you ever been offended when you compliment somebody and they're like oh thanks or yeah I worked really hard at it no I mean because I mean to be fair, I give compliments fairly sparingly. So <laughs> when I do give a compliment, like, it's, it's like, I'm not going to be, obviously I'm not going to be offended if I get thanks back. I mean, that's the whole point of offering you something nice. But then was it you that I was talking about recently where we live in, uh, um, no, it's not. This is actually a really good topic. Um, we live, reality is like, that's the theme for today. We live in a reality where people uh, fish for um, recognition all the time. So even the idea of like, thank you. It's, sometimes people do things not to be like, to do that thing, like that selfless thing. They do things for the recognition. Mm-hmm. So it's actually selfish in them doing something nice. And like, that's actually a really good thing to kind of reflect on. Um, Cause after I had this conversation, I was, I was starting to reflect on it a little bit and I was like, how many things do I do specifically for the acknowledgement from other people? And that acknowledgement could be something as little as just a thank you. And when we don't get that thank you, it's kind of like, well, what the fuck? Why didn't you thank me? Like I, I went out of my way to do that and you're just going to act like it was no big thing. But that's us taking that action as we deserve something in return. Um, if you were to do things completely selfless, you wouldn't even be offended if no one thanked you because it would be a selfless service. Yeah. I mean, it's polite to thank people. You shouldn't be going around being like, you know what? I'm not going to thank you because then I'm going to like end up acknowledging it. No, that's kind of a jerk thing to do. You should still probably thank people. Um, But anyhow, see what you were going to say. Yes. No, I agree. Um, I mean, mean, I've gone through where it's like, that kind of thing that you ask yourself. It's like, okay, well, am I doing this? Because I genuinely would do it without any like fall back or give back from it? Um, or am I doing this because I want to, um, receive praise or receive recognition or whatever it may be. And like, once you really examine things in your life, it's like, why am I actually doing something? And is this serving me in a way other than just receiving some superficial praise or recognition from somebody or someone? Um, and then choosing, yeah, it's an interesting path when you start to choose things based on what, would make you feel good regardless from a deeper place uh what just you're you're able to just offer and not expect anything back living without that expectation of 
something coming back to you just because you've done something nice or stereotypically good. Um, I have that in quotations marks, quotation marks. Um, I heard it in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. And that just brings in, I mean, I, I keep coming back to the concept of, yeah, just existing in a state of gratitude. And that's such a catchword nowadays. It's just like, oh, yay, hashtag gratitude. But- oh, fuck, I'm hashtag gratitude all the time. I got to watch my language today. Um, but uh, sorry to interrupt you, but the, I, the like, it's so funny where this is going. Okay, so then this is what I was thinking as you were talking about that. Um, how many people in like flipping this around, because we are talking about horses right now. This is definitely a conversation about horses. How many people expect their horses to be good just because they provide all of their horse's needs in quotations and become offended when that horse doesn't perform to their expectation? Yeah, you just made a post with us, didn't you? I totally did because it's been on my brain. And then when you're talking about it, I was like, whoa, I made a post about that today. (laughs) With hashtag gratitude, I will have you know. Yeah. You did not, or you did? No, I totally did. Okay, oh, good. I was like, you probably should. It's a good <laughs> no, that, that happened in this reality. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, totally. And like, I um, I talked a little bit about this too, kind of, in a totally different, or sort of different aspect, but in my post ride reflection video on Wednesday on my Instagram. And I was kind of talking about how like you can get really stuck in like just expecting one thing and this is a slightly different angle but like expecting something because it's what you've already always received in the past um and living up living to old expectations instead of setting new ones with every ride with every day with every moment um and forgetting to listen to the moment that you're in on the horse specifically or off the horse uh yeah and so that kind of ties into it where it's like if you're expecting that you're like taking for granted that your horse is still a living being and they're actually just mirroring to reference to your post they're just mirroring what we're bringing into the situation it's just taking that that for granted and expecting them to have their own prerogative and that prerogative be to serve you as their owner rider whatever it may be their master <laughs> i'm sure some people operate under that understanding instead of um meeting them with that open mind and that gratitude just for the moment that you're in and then reading each moment for what it is. And what would a, a world it would be if we were able to function in that place? Like in, in all aspects, like just being able to function in the moment and um, riding in that place, like in the moment and riding in that place of gratitude and that doesn't mean that every ride we have to have, we just sit in uh, emptiness and like have a spiritual experience with our horse because I know most people have horses to do a specific job. But if you approach that job from the headspace of I'm grateful for what this horse is doing and appreciative of, um, of that horse with no... Um, what's the word? Word? Can you think of a word? Uh, no, I'm also blanking on words. I wanted to say expectation, but that's not the word that I wanted. Um, but we'll just use that word. Uh, just taking that expectation out of there and just going with whatever happens. And so many times that horse is is going to respond so much better than that to, than to force or to uh, the agenda of um, we have to do A, B, C, D today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's being in that moment and being like in that place of what that horse is capable of. And like, it's so interesting because there's so many times I always hear it um, when a horse is like super frisky one day, and people would be like, oh, why weren't you frisky last week when we were jumping? Yeah. Use, use frisky horse to jump. And then on those days that that horse is maybe a little bit lazier, um, do your flat work. 
um, or do something like it, 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 ride the horse that you've got today and work with the horse you've got today. And you're always going to have good rides. Yeah, that's true. But then how would you integrate that into the competition setting? How did I know you were going to ask that? <laughs> I'm in your head. Um, so this is how you incorporate it into your competition settings. You only go to competitions on the days that your horse wants to. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, Sarah, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're always riding from that place where you're giving your horse the benefit of the doubt and you're trying really hard to work with that horse where it's at, when you go to those competitions, the horse is going to perform for you. They, they are because you haven't, you haven't been forcing them the whole time. You haven't been like driving them and schooling them for the entire training season. You've been working with them. Yeah. And, and to add to that, if nothing else, it's, it's that connection, that relationship and the trust. Yeah. That horse. So even if you get to the competition and having just a day, um, it's going to be a faster recovery and a faster kind of, Exactly. It, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. So when you say to that horse, cause you've been saying to that horse, like, no, let's work, let's work together. This is, this is what I would like to do, but I would like to do it in a way that is comfortable for you. And then you get to that competition. That horse has that much more trust for you, that much more respect for you. Um, they have that much more willingness for you versus that horse that you've been saying, Today, we're jumping this. Today, we're doing this. Today, we're doing this. And not not really listening to that horse when he says maybe, you know, I wiped out in the mud yesterday and I feel like garbage. Could we just take it easy? Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you're having that conversation and your horse is allowed to be part of the conversation, it's, yeah. it's going to transfer to the competition ring. So now that, that, con- that conversation is more instant instead of that conversation being do it now and that horse tensing, tightening, whatever their reaction is to that intensity. It's, uh, I mean, this, this is a tough subject. This is definitely a tough subject. And this is not a subject that, I mean, a lot of people probably would potentially think that um, my heads are in the clouds. My heads, I only have one. I don't think so because I mean, even just like taking that concept, you just talked about like, in terms of relationship to the horse, to the horse's training, to competition prep, to whatever it may be. I mean, I, I have that conversation with people, whether they're athletes or um, whatever they are all the time when it comes to their rehab and their performance and their performance prep, if they're athletes <coughs> and their injury recovery, if they're athletes and all this stuff, or even just like general day-to-day training with people. It's um, like in terms of personal training and athletic training, it's, it's not, I mean, people often, I, I mean, I have one example, a recent client that just came on to, um, uh, into my care. She, they came in with, uh, just being like a, some a specific injury, but then a bunch of pain and, and stress in their lives and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I know that I need to move more and I want to move more and I want to be able to free to do all this stuff. And that's going to help me accomplish X, Y, and Z. And after getting to know a bit and, and working with them through a few sessions, it, became more and more clear especially to me that them going into a structured training program where we're we're pushing their boundaries a bit and we're um going the stereotypical route of just doing intense training for their goals wasn't actually going to help them reach their goals what was going to help them reach their goals was teaching them how to be a bit more aware of day-to-day what they needed and at this point in time what they needed was more awareness work more breathing work more bringing the system back to a baseline work so relaxation type work stress management type work recovery based work because that what was that's what's holding them back so being in the moment work like you're talking about just straight up being in the moment so and I apply that even if it's an athlete who is ready to go into higher performance or more um, intense based performance training if they plan on just working hard and like pushing themselves all the time every day workout like pushing themselves in every workout pushing themselves in every ride whatever it is that they're training with or the tools they're using 
if they don't have an awareness of where their bodies and their minds are at on each day in terms of every time they go into workout, every time they go into a ride, every time they go into a training session, whatever it may be, they're not like without that awareness, they're going to run into roadblocks that an athlete or somebody, even just an everyday person would run into, um, wouldn't run into if they had an understanding of how to operate and be productive based on what they're coming into the day with. And that's what people don't realize. And that it would go the same for horses because I mean, we all know you can get on a horse one day and you have the best ride of your life. And then the next day you get on and either you come into it a bit off or they come into a bit off, but you're not either you're not on par or you're having to adjust things because things just aren't happening the way you want them to. And the more you try and fight that, the worse it's going to get. So we kind of mentioned this last time or yeah, the last week with Petra, where it's like, if you're in a state of burnout, you're not going to be served by trying to push through that. You're going to be served by taking care of yourself, going back to the basics, finding ways to recuperate and strategize better for the next time it happens, but also let yourself recover and be gentle with yourself until you are back, um, back to yourself. And then, like you said, you're pretty much superwoman when you do come back because you've allowed yourself that time to connect in, figure out what was causing the burnout, change some things, strategize better. But unless you, t- unless you take that route, you're going to be stuck in this cycle of just perpetually burning out, perpetually re-injuring yourself, perpetually being stuck with rides that you don't know how to handle or that you don't want to handle, um, where you could just have that awareness instead and, and just accept whatever is in that moment and work with it because there's always going to be some productivity to come out of it. Exactly. And like on those same lines, like when you're riding and you have that self-awareness and you're riding the horse you have today you start feeling more about that horse. Um, When you take away that agenda, uh, you switch that over into feeling and you're going to start noticing those little tiny things about that horse where he's maybe trying to tell you something or he's just not feeling right in this one spot. And then you're able to help that horse as you go instead of push, push, push until everything falls apart. Um, and then you were also talking, uh, oh my goodness, it's gone. Um, what did you finish up with? Um, talking about like trying to push through burnout and instead like strategizing better being with whatever's in that moment. Yes. And, and that, like that goes for the horse. I, how many times have you seen somebody, um, get something with a horse uh, let's say we're going to use a lead change because I think like every discipline um, you're working on your lead changes and like lead changes are, it seems like for a lot of different disciplines, they're like the the Holy grail. Um, so you get a lead change, beautiful lead change. So then you keep working on the lead change. So you've, you've gotten exactly what you wanted and it's been perfect. And you decide, I mean, how many of us, we get addicted to it and we're like, Oh, I'm going to do that again. Let's make, let's make sure it's, it's there. Let's make sure that wasn't a fluke. Well, now you're working with a fatigued horse. So now chances are you're probably not going to get a lead change again. So now you're working with a fatigued horse and you've got to end on a good note. So you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and now you've hit burnout and now you've got a horse that is starting to despise the lead change because the lead change is burning pain. Um, that's, that's your horse's burnout. If we could end our ride on the best note and leave the best part of the horse in for the next ride, we're always going to have spectacular rides. Not always. There's always those fluke things. But for the most part, you're going to have really spectacular rides because you're always leaving the best part of the horse in for the next day. Um, and, and it was interesting. I've been working with this with this rider, this horseshoe rider, and they're 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 novice and yet so advanced in the mindset. Um, they were talking about warming up for a show and how everybody else had a horse that was drenched before they even went into the ring because they had to they had to warm the horse up and and ride the spunk out of the horse and, and this horse and rider would just trot around on the rail and do a little shoulder and do a little haunches and just like their little bit of horse yoga and then go into the class and the horse was always fresh and ready to go after the class. 
Like he was, he was good going in. He was good coming out. He wasn't drenched in sweat. And, and I realized that some horses, yeah, some horses do have a little bit more of an intense warm up, but not every horse. I think out of, I mean, I, I don't even know how many horses I have had. I've, I must be close to a hundred by now. Um, and like, especially of horses that I've ridden and I can think of like maybe two or three, not even two that you had to really, really ride before you did anything. And if you overrode them, they were worse than if you underrode them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, two thoughts popping into my head when you were saying all that is the first is that people don't often realize that. So if you brought this down to even just a physiological aspect and it would be the same in horses, it's going to be the same in humans. People don't realize that most strength in quotations um, is more or less just neurological conditioning and motor patterning. So yes, of course, if you want to get bigger, stronger, more conditioned in a certain way, you're going to have to train it strategically with weights and whatever. Um, but for most people and most athletes, the real power comes from actually developing the motor patterning. And that is something that this is why when you, let's say you go to the gym and you're new to the gym, you haven't really worked out before. And let's say you are in a class or working with a trainer and from like week one to week three, you're all of a sudden like doubling the weights that you're using because you just feel that much stronger already. It's not because you're actually stronger in a technical sense. It's because your brain and your body have figured out how to coordinate that movement and how to fire the muscles more efficiently. The first few times you do certain movements, it's hard and you feel weak and you can't control it because the brain is still figuring out how to fire those, that, that motor patterning and the movement patterning patterning. It's not because you're actually that weak in most cases. Um, I mean, a phrase I use, I'm sure you've heard me say this a lot to you, Sarah, <laughs> back in the day where it's like, you, you're, you're actually stronger than your brain thinks you are. Your brain just hasn't figured out how to access that strength yet, strength yet. And this is, of course, this is outside of any, again, like I said, largely strength-based sports where you're having to improve on that physiological strength that comes over time. But the first four to eight weeks of any new movement or any new pattern or any new skill is all neurological conditioning. Uh, sorry to burst the bubble of those who thought they were like crazy strong after the first four weeks in the gym they'd like doubled their weight but um you're just better neurologically and then the second thought I had on that is that so, oh sorry where I was going with that is like that's why when you get that perfect movement when you get that flying lead change or that good lead change that you found that's again just feeding into your argument of like that's not actually drilling that one thing because you got it right the first time or got it right after a few tries and it felt great exactly it's not gonna it's not gonna make it better long term because yeah you're just gonna fatigue out that movement pattern the horse is gonna learn to associate pain and compensation with that because they're gonna have to pick that up to continue doing it and the rider's gonna learn that um they're gonna have to they're gonna start compensating too in their body and forget to just memorize what it felt like when it felt really really good and find that the next time when they're fresh um and then the more horsey example I have of that is that there was, I'll never forget this. There was one lesson that I had with the coaches that I had a few years ago when I was still competing hunter jumper and like, I mean, normal lessons with them, you'd show up, you'd do your warm up, you do a bunch of flat work and then you'd jump a bit and then you'd end the lesson wherever it's, it tended to end naturally. But a phrase that my coach Charlene always used to say, say was a horse only has so many jumps in them. So their prerogative was not to be jumping endlessly the prerogative was to find and teach the the perfect course or the perfect skill or the perfect whatever and then leave it at that um and they stood by that at shows and lessons and whatever it was which meant that our warm-ups at shows were often like yeah doing your warm-up doing your flat work and then popping over a couple of fences and then going right into the ring once you found that perfect warm-up fence you went straight into the ring after you found that you didn't worry about going over and over and over again in the warm-up ring because there's no point you're already at the show <laughs> like once you find it and you feel good about it and you're physiologically warmed up go do the course and then but there was this one lesson that I'll never forget where came in did my warm-up we did our flat work we she we were prepping for a show so we were doing more course coursework based stuff instead of grids or whatever and um she sets out this course 
I jumped, I jumped through this whole course once and she's like, okay, we're done for today. So my lesson lasted 10 to 15 minutes after my warm up because I had done, we had done the whole course really well, like probably one of the best courses I've ever written. And she was like, yep, we're going to stop there today. You guys have got it. Like, that's fine. We're not going to bother pushing this. And of course, like there's different theories on that. Um, but again, we were a team that had been in training for a long time. We didn't have any major skills to work on. I'd been riding this horse for seven, eight years at this point. Really all the groundwork was there. The basics were there at that point in time. It was just to confirm that we could jump a course and we could do this set of skills well, and that it was there. And that's all we needed to do in that lesson. Like, okay. So how did you feel at the end of that 10 minute lesson? Very confused because you're used to lessons going on for 40 minutes to an hour and doing a bunch of stuff. But also it was like, I jumped that course. I was like, shit, that was amazing. And then that's essentially what Charlene said to me. She's like, yeah, like memorize how that feels. And we're going to transplant that into the show this weekend or whenever it was. And that's um, a bit, So how do you think your horse felt after going in, working 10 minutes and then it was done? Probably the same way where he's like, wow, that was fun. <laughs> I didn't have to what? die for an hour. And that's the feeling that you want to leave in you and your horse after every single ride. And it, it's so hard for riders to do that where, and I've had those rides where you hop on and you're like, wow, 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 wow. I'm getting off <laughs> yeah. instead of, well, I want more, but it, it is so hard. That's probably one of the things that's, it's so hard for horse, for trainers and for riders is when you get those moments to not say, I want more. Yeah. To just to just leave feeling incredibly confident that you had those ma- that magical ride where everything was at your fingertips and those magical rides where everything is at your fingertips is like you said they're ten minutes they're not an hour yeah it, it but it's those hour rides of like taking the time and riding that horse the way he is and and building on something those are the rides that build the ten minute rides yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I can already hear people saying, but like, what if my horse is super fresh and they need this? And what if my horse is green and they need to learn all this? And it's like, yeah, of course there's going to be rides where like it's every ride is not going to be a 10 minute ride. No, no goodness. Like, no, no. Those it, it, it's a lot of hour long rides to get a 10 minute ride. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you said, it's seven years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, but again it, it's gonna be totally in like contextual to the moment that you're in and that's and that's where those longer rides but staying aware during those longer rides and I mean again coming back to the ride that I had this week I haven't ridden in a month or so so like I'm out of condition the horse that I'm riding has also had some time off so both of us went into the ride just like a little bit like huh I wonder how this is gonna go um and like it was one of those rides where it was a constant like I had to keep switching out of my old expectations because I was like I was not as uh connected into my body as I have been in previous rides just out of the fact that I haven't ridden anything in a month let alone this horse um and so throughout the ride, I kept getting stuck. And then I was trying to like, I was almost like fighting with him because he was also getting, like, I knew that he was also getting stuck. Like he wasn't as mobile as he normally is and all that stuff. So we were both just kind of getting stuck with each other and then kind of fighting with each other because neither of us could do what we wanted to do. And at one point I just, I had to stop and I was just like, this is fine, but you're currently riding to an old expectation and that's setting him up for this older expectation. And it's not working for where you're at right now. So ride to what you have right now, go back to the basics. Like, you know, the basics, they're there and see what you can get out of him. Well, with the basics and then go from there. And like, it completely changed the rest of the ride where we finally, we connected into each other for the first time in, in that ride. And we're like, Oh, okay. So this is where you're feeling stiff. This is where I'm feeling stiff. How can we work around this and fix this for both of us? Okay. We got that oh, now we're doing the things that I had asked for earlier in the, in the ride, not getting any results. We're doing them now and we're getting results and we're both feeling good about it. We can stop now. Like, and that, I mean, it was a longer ride because of that, because we kind of had to have that conversation with each other, but it was a two-way street. Like it wasn't just me saying, 
you need to do this because I expect you to be able to do this because you could do this a month ago when I was on here last, regardless of where I'm at with my body, which is not the same as it was a month ago. I want you to do this for me. And him saying, no, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Like you're not asking properly, nor am I able to at this moment in time. So we're going to have to find a different path. If one of us had just been yelling, well, one of us was yelling at the other for a little bit in there. But then when you actually stopped and paused and took a breath, took a few breaths and connected into the moment that we were in, it just all started working a bit better. But again, that's, I mean, that's after years of recognizing how, at the very least, how I impact the ride um, and how it's rarely, if ever, the horse impacting the poor performance um, on the most basic levels anyway. Uh, that, that is not something, and we talked about this in one of the last episodes too, where like, that is not a skill that you just stumble upon one day. That is something that you have to be intentionally developing in every ride. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a huge awareness. And you know what? It's a pretty humbling experience. Um, those, those moments when you realize that your horse isn't trying to ruin your day and that, it all is going to fall back on you. Um, it's one thing to say, because I hear a lot of people saying it, oh, it's, I know it's always me, but they still blame the horse. They they can say the words, but they haven't yet, like... They just accept it. Yeah. Right, like, I think it's more like, oh, yeah, it's totally my fault, but then they don't actually do anything about it. I, I don't know if it's... I mean, true. But I don't know if it's always them blaming the horse still. I think it's just like a contentment with just existing in that reality. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. That is a much better way to put it. Um, but And that, that's the progression of awareness, though. It's And I've said this before. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, those people. Um, we've all been there. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to be there. Like two days from now, I might work with a horse and say to them, why aren't you doing this? And they'll say, because you're an idiot. And then after a few minutes, just like what you just explained, I'll be like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Um, let's approach this differently. And then everything will work again. But it, it, it's not to say that it just all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like, ah, I've got it. No, it's, it's like, it is a, it's a process. And it's that awareness of yourself being able to reflect back onto you yeah. and, and not just say, why are you doing this? But reflect back, why am I causing this? Or what could be yeah. causing this? And like we kind of started the episode with, it's, it's one of those things that as you develop that awareness of self um, and the awareness of how everything in your life or in the reality you're currently in is pretty much a reflection of yourself. Um, even your relationship to other people, your relationship to your horse, all that stuff, as you build that awareness. And I mean, there's one thing that um, the, one of the instructors at the yoga studio that I'm, I go to, he always, I mean, pretty much he starts every class and works every class around the theme of, I mean, meet yourself where you're at today. There's no point just because you want to power through this class and you want to get this one pose and you want to do this. You're not going to get it if you don't have the awareness of what, your where you're coming into the class at and you're usually better served by you're always better served by doing what you're capable of in that moment and that doesn't mean that you're not pushing yourself that doesn't mean that you're not um striving for more it just means that sometimes striving for more the path to accomplishing your next goal requires that those times where maybe you're doing a bit less or you're going back to the basics and not pushing through certain certain signs and symptoms of your day or whatever's going on and just connecting in because connecting in being mindful being aware is the only way to make any progress and pretty much anything and this would again apply to if you're having a bad day at work or you're not being as productive as you want or you're not meeting all these kind of you're not checking things off your to-do list in, this, in the way that you would like or ex- are expected to once again, if you're in a, if you walk into your day or you're in a moment where you just aren't energetically capable of 
concentrating, of doing physical tasks, of whatever it may be, are you going to get more done by trying to push through that? Or are you going to get more done by taking care of yourself in that moment, however that may be, and then coming back to those to-do list tasks at a better time for you energetically and physically and mentally and all that stuff? Like it's all the same thing. It connects into riding, into life, into other athletic endeavors into whatever it is. Right. And I mean, the, I would argue that comes to a meditation, like even in developing meditation practice too, it, like there's going to be days where you come into a meditation. You're like, I can't focus today. I don't want to do this today. I have a billion and one things on my life, mind. This happened to me. This happens to me all the time. But like I went into a yoga class this week where we were starting like the beginning part of the class and I was just so stressed out about a bunch of things. And like, I was like, man, like I really should be able to let all these things go. Like I'm in yoga now. This is like my time to not be thinking about these things, but they're just on my mind. And I listened to them. I was like, all right, if you're going to be on my mind, you're going to be on my mind. Like there's not a ton I can do to get you out of my mind and I'm not going to repress you downwards. So I don't have to think about you. So you're just going to be there and that's fine. And so I just continued on with my basic stuff in the, the first part of the yoga class and became aware of the fact that the things that were on my mind were kind of organizing themselves for me. Like I didn't have to actually place them into boxes. They were kind of doing that for themselves. And as the class continued and whatever, I just like stayed present. And then all of a sudden by the end of class, I was like, I was getting kind of hit with all these little epiphanies based on the stressors that I had. And by the end of class, I walked into class. I was like, okay, I'm not actually nearly as stressed in any sort of negative sense with any of those things anymore they kind of like okay I I can see them in a different light now um they're still there they didn't go away um but they're different uh and again that's just it's all the same things if you're trying to start any new thing or better on any one thing it's it's this process has to happen (laughs) where you're just allowed to be in the moment yeah and, and acknowledge things and move on It's, you don't have to dwell on them. You don't have to stress about them and you don't have to push them deep down to the dark realms of your psyche. You just acknowledge them. They're there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. If you know about the monster under the bed, it's no longer a monster under the bed. (laughs) Like, you know, it's there. You recognize it. It can become your friend. friend. Exactly. You can have a conversation with it. And that's really that scary. No, name it fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> or fluffy. I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Huh. That's good. Yeah, good topic. <laughs> that's a nice Saturday afternoon topic. Expectation um, versus reality. Ugh. It's and it like it's so much part of everything. Actually, um, it was on this topic. I uh, didn't bring it up as we were talking, but uh, you just saying that expectation versus reality um, muscles. Uh, when you were talking about everybody, like, oh, I need to, like, I'm lifting so much weight. Um, when th- this is something that I think many people do not realize, functioning muscle is smooth and soft it is not rock hard um and that's a thing that i find with a lot of horses is um they've got knots and hard spots and like their back is just a cord um and then the horses that have really nice functional movement and they're relaxed and um they're they're using themselves correctly the muscle is smooth and it's soft like you can palpate it and it doesn't feel like guitar strings under the surface so I don't know how that translates to the human as well no it's the same thing I mean um, any muscle group no matter how much you're using it and when you're in a resting state should not have any tension to it that's not what muscles are meant to do if you're, if there is tension to it, it's likely because it's compensating for something else in your body posturally or structurally and having to pull that up or actually even more likely is that your system is in a state of stress chronically, which 90% of us are always in, um, unfortunately, currently in our day to day existence. So, I mean, again, 
I see so many clients and myself is included in this. And this ties into some of the psycho-emotional or psychosomatic stuff I'm learning too. But there's so many times where I'm working on clients uh, in terms of soft tissue work. And I'm sure you see this in horses too, but horses are probably better at letting go of some of this stuff. Um, I'm working with clients and they've had chronically tight back muscles or chronically tight shoulders or chronically tight necks. And I mean, you work on these clients over and over and over again, and you correct their posture, you correct their movement and like their symptoms may get better and they start to feel better often and all this stuff, but the tension doesn't change. And the more I learn with this stuff, the more it's connecting into, well, yeah, this person is, there's no stress management in their lives. They're chronically stressed. Their nervous system on a, on a physiological level is just always in a heightened state. And that's not something most of us are conscious of until we're brought, our awareness is brought to it. Um, and I actually worked on a client today who's a newer client. And I, as soon as I kind of assessed her and went through some soft tissue work with her and I knew it was just like, you know what, none of this, a lot of this tension is not going to get better. The more I work on it, this tension is only going to go away once we actually deal with what's happening under the, under the surface here. And what's happening under the surface is not a structural issue. Your posture and movement is okay. There's something else going on emotionally or stress wise or something else in your life that's causing this. And we need to figure that out, which as a physical therapist, that's not technically my prerogative or scope of practice, but when it affects the physical body, it kind of starts to become that. And so, yeah, a lot of the tensions and the, that rigidity and the muscles that we carry around, unless you're actually in like physically doing something in an athletic sense or need that heightened state for whatever, and athletics, exercise, riding, horse movement, like all that stuff does require a heightened state a lot of the time in the nervous system, but that should not be a permanent state. That should not be a that is a temporary thing that we use to send like the literal, the chemicals that and the endorphins and the hormones that go through our system to engage in that endeavor. That's what happens. The muscles become more rigid, more reactive, more all that stuff, but that reactive state is not something we want um, day to day or like anything outside of that, what is actually required to do, which is usually a very short period of time. If it's sticking around, there's something else going on in the system where you're not letting the system calm down or, there's no, a lot of the time it's just an awareness in the system, but yeah, that's, that's, it's exactly the same in humans to answer that question very longly. No, that was, that's great because I, I think that that's another self-awareness thing. Like when, when you're with your horse or just you're with yourself, um, just sitting watching TV, you can kind of go through your body and, and be like, well, why am I holding tension there right now? Um, why am I clenching that muscle right now? Or when you're grooming your horse, that a lot of times if if you're aware of what muscles are really tight it's another one of those scenarios where you can prevent something from worsening um just by being aware like if you're finding um your horse's neck and lower back are rock hard okay well maybe you can start taking a look at some stuff maybe he just needs his teeth floated um like or if there's a pile of uh, tension just in one shoulder, like you're, it's just, again, rock hard. Okay. Maybe he's got something going on in that leg and uh, he's, he's hiding it, especially if he's a Percheron cross, Percheron crosses hide everything. Um, It was a Manitoba joke. Um, But like, and I, I'm saying he a lot because I think everybody has a gelding. I've met like three people, in my life who are like, no, I prefer to ride mares. I'm one of them. And then two other people. <laughs> Depends on what my goals are. But... What your goals are? I like chaos. So <laughs> who do I have today? <laughs> and because if they're on, they're on and nobody can beat them. If they're off, yeah. I mean, you're going to die. But if they're on, you're great. <laughs> so I take my chances. Yeah, no, and that's what I love about them is uh, it's uh, yeah, it's riding that horse in the moment. And there's been so many times with the mare where um, I have so much yeah, like a competitive edge is what it is. Because when a mare is on, I've got two mares that are more competitive than I am. And I'm fairly competitive. So like when you show up and these mares are like, they just want to eat the, now I did cow horse. So a little bit different than your thing, but like when they want to eat that cow, like they just want to eat it. 
and you're just kind of like, holy smokes, I'm sitting on a ticking time bomb right now. And then like, oh, it's so much fun. It's just amazing. Yeah. And a gelding, like a gelding doesn't have the hormones to do that. Just stallion, like a, I mean, there's some really good geldings out there. Um, a stallion is also capable of having that, but I don't, there's something about a mare. Maybe it's because I'm female. <laughs> Maybe I'm sexist in the other way. <laughs> is that, I think that's the normal way to be sexist, isn't it? For women? That the women are better? Yeah, you're just like an extreme feminist rider. <laughs> extreme feminist. Huh. Well, I hope that doesn't offend anyone. I, I'm all about equal rights for everyone. At this point, I feel like we've lost all the people who... I don't... And that's Kat and Sarah. Your horse is not the problem. <laughs> it's <gonna be> so random. <laughs> like, totally deadpan. <laughs> Ooh, challenge, challenge, challenge. Uh, challenge for our listeners would be I think just uh the like the whole um reality thing like taking a step back from what you perceive your reality to be and just taking note of uh um what your expectations are perhaps um and going through your day, are you doing things for recognition? Are you doing them just because you're a nice person? What uh, What's your expectation in things? But then also, what's your agenda? Ooh, agenda. Ooh. What's your secret agenda? Yeah, that's a good challenge. We all need to do a bit of that. Yeah. Self-reflection. Time. Okay, well, we'll end it there.